0: We're going to continue this series called The Blessed Life. You know why? God wants you blessed. Amen. Blessings is not a bad thing, Stanley. Blessings is a good thing. And uh, God is looking for ways to bless you. Uh, and so we're going to talk about a dreaded subject for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but this subject has been dreaded. And uh I'm gonna say this again because I said it last week. When we start uh, teaching this kind of stuff, people start saying, well, the church just wants my money. Okay? (laughs) And uh, I wanna remind this church, the last time we ever preached anything like this was over five years ago. (laughs) And God's been good. And God's been faithful. But God wants you to understand some things And we're gonna get into it today, if I can. I'm about half, uh, how was it you said? Wavy? (laughs) Um, So we're gonna jump into this. Um, I wanna remind you of one thing. Last week we made a statement and I wanna repeat it. There are approximately 3 billion people today on the planet who are living on $2 a day or less. They're living on $2 a day or less, okay? The average for the United States, the average is about $57 to $65 a day is what the average lives on. I would say no matter what, we're blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. Whether we like, agree with anything that's happening or not, we are blessed And so, uh, as we look at this, I read some studies this week, and the average person with the average income gives about 3.1%, not just to church, but to all charities. Average person with the average income gives about 3.1%. People who live below the poverty line give about 5.2%. Let that sink in. You ready for another good one? Those who make 200,000 or more give about 0.07%. So what does that tell us about us? The more we have, the less generous we are. But on average, those who are living below the poverty line tend to give more. And why is that? Because we, because a lot of times people who live below the poverty line, they're not so hung up on things. And I, I heard the Lord say to me this week, he said, I want to know who people trust. Do they trust money or do they trust me? And I can't answer that for you that is a question that you're going to have to answer for yourself if you got a bible it, it, let's turn if you want to go on the screen it'll be up there too the version app it should pop up and if it doesn't it will by this afternoon <laughs> which probably means i forgot to push a button <laughs> but let's go to luke chapter uh uh, Sixteen, Luke chapter 16, he said the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted. The one who manages, even if, if, even if I only have a little, but I do what's right with that little, he said that I am in line for what? Greater responsibilities. Promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they've been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Huh? Yeah. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? I love how the Passion puts this here. If I can't be trusted with the riches, with integrity, why do I think I'm in line for a greater blessing? If God can't trust me to do what's right with my finances, uh, see, we get nervous because we're talking about money. You do realize money's just a tool, that's all it is. It's just a tool, it's what you do with that tool. A hammer's just a tool too until you put it in the hands of a serial killer. (laughs) Come on. Didn't expect that out of my mouth today, did you? A hammer's just a tool too, but in the wrong hands, it can do something else. God knows that money will be the greatest competitor of our heart with Him. He understands that money's gonna be the greatest competitor of our heart. That doesn't say a whole lot for us, does it? Verse 12, if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? The greatest competitor of our hearts, isn't that sad? The greatest competitor of our hearts is often money and we've been trained and we've taught that money does all things. Let me tell you, this is how we know money is God to a lot of people. We've been told that it, it, it does all things. Money can do anything. What do we always say? Money makes the, I thought that was God. But what do we trust? Come on. What do we trust? Well, money makes the world go round, okay. Let me tell you something, folks. Money promises a lot, but it promises only what God can fulfill. Money promises a lot of stuff, Vicky, but it promises stuff only God can fulfill. Look, here's some things that money promises. Money promises security. But in reality, we're only secure in Christ. Money promises us freedom. <sighs> But it's funny, the more you have, the more you're chained to whatever it was that gave it to you. (laughs) Are you with me? The more we have, the more we're chained to something. (laughs) Oh, money promises power. But it's funny, you never have enough and so you're always in a struggle. Well, if it was so powerful, why didn't it get me out of every struggle? Why do we see so many wealthy, famous people who, still, at the when it comes time, we find that they've taken their own lives? And we look at them; they had everything, Zach. What they had, all the money, should have had, all the freedom, should have had, all the power, should have had it all. But in the end, it still didn't satisfy. I told you, I was teaching a group of young adults one time about, about giving, about receiving, and about these things, and the Holy Spirit said to me, He says, when money means nothing to you, then it can come greater to you. In other words, when it's not the focus of our world, when it doesn't make our world go around, I'm not against money, but God wants you blessed, but He can't go around competing for your heart with your wallet. Money, listen, given it, left to its own devices, money will become a God to us. It'll allow us to love it. It'll allow us to worship it. It'll even allow us to serve it. You tell me we haven't made this thing a God? Are, Are you here? We're chain, we'll serve it, we'll love it, we'll worship it. It's the greatest thing that we've ever seen. It makes the world go round. It's funny where our focus often falls. Go to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, uh, verse, starting in verse 19, I'm reading from the Passion. He says, don't keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures. We talked a little bit about this at the men's breakfast yesterday. Stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure your heart will always pursue what is the number one thing to you. Whatever is first, if God is first in our life, our heart will run to him and will follow him and it will overlook other things just to get to him. But if money has become that God, Mm -hmm. we'll bypass everything, ministry, church, family, Folks, I'm not one of these people that say, don't work on Sundays. I'm not one of these people that says, well, if your job's taking you away, you gotta work. Yeah. But, it, but it's this attitude in the heart. Because when you preach this, people said, well, you got this idea that I, you, nobody should ever work on Sundays. Man, I worked, in the, I worked in the hospital too. Sometimes, guess what I had to do every other weekend, Emily? I had to work on Sunday, pastoring a church. That was hard (laughs) because people expect certain things out of the pastor, like be at church. (laughs) But you know what? It wasn't, it it didn't, it didn't become the God to me. I didn't serve it. So what do we serve? What is the most important thing to us? Don't stockpile, but instead stockpile heavenly treasures. He says, verse 21, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Jump down to verse 24. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. And here's the things I hear. You know, I like money, I need money, I could use more money. Trust me, anybody else ever said these things? (laughs) But I don't love money. I don't love money because the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's not me. I need money, I wish money. I, wish I had more money, but I don't love it. Yeah. But it's funny what we'll miss and let go in our lives to make sure we have it. Okay. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not against people having money. People talk about all these people on TV, talk about preachers who have money. I'm glad God gave it to them. Yeah. Tear it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> get yours but it's the love of things because our heart will pursue and chase the thing we value go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 I hope I can get down to my message yet y'all pray we're gonna get through this right Katie all right Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 he said whoever loves money never has enough Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. <laughs> this too is meaningless. I believe God wants to know what is first in our life. Well, we, we made some statements last week, I wanna repeat them, they're gonna pop up on the screen right about now. He's good, ain't he? Says I am you can read these out loud. I am ready to be even more blessed than I have been. I am ready to experience more of God's presence every day and everywhere I go. You ready? Here's the new one. I will give God my first, my best, so he can bless the rest. Glory to God. Now let's jump into an odd subject that a lot of people don't like to preach on. Go to Leviticus. Mm. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. He says, Any tithe of the land, whether seed of the land or fruit of the trees, belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, before we get on this thing, see tithing is supposed to be stuff you grow or stuff that grows on trees. That's what they used to barter with. They used their produce. That was their money, all right? And he said that any tithe of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is what? Go back into that, Bobby, please. Belongs to who? The tithe belongs to who? Try that over here. This beside got it. I didn't hear nothing. The tithe belongs to who? Lord. Well, I just can't pay my tithes. Those aren't yours. Well, I worked for it. And who gave you the job? But I sweated for this. And who allowed you to be healthy enough to go to work? The tithe is the Lord's. Well, the church just wants my tithes. No, God wants what He's allowed you to have. Before you uh, say, well, that's just too much. Anybody ever heard of James Cash Penny? Let's call him JC Penny. He went to his family, Edra and informed his kids, grandkids, all of them, I am going to stop paying tithes. He said, I'm giving God 90% of what I make and I'm gonna live off the 10. Family went nuts. And they still had more than even his great grandchildren could spend. And he decided, I'm gonna honor God Money will not be a God to me. I am going to honor God. And so he said, God, my tithe to you is 90%. I'm not telling you to go do that. You better have heard God. You better have heard God. But he said, I'm going to give 90%. The tithe is the Lord's. So let's settle that right off the bat. The tithe is not mine. Thank you, Matt the tithe is not mine it's the lord's yeah but it's my money i'll do what i want to galen there's a problem with that because the tithe is holy so not only are we willing to take from god what rightfully belongs to god but we're willing to take something that is sacred and something that is holy and keep it for ourselves. You know what they used to do when people stole stuff out of the temple? That's it. (laughs) If it was holy, you didn't touch it. Come on with me. If it was holy, you didn't touch it because there was some fear of God there. Maybe we just don't fear God. Maybe we just aren't that afraid of God anymore. Yeah. Well, he don't go around killing people anymore. Thank God. Yeah. But you know what I've noticed in my life is when I, I, I held back my tithes, and trust me, this hasn't happened in almost 30 years. But we said, well, I need to pay this first and then I'll get over to God. Oh, Do you hear what, that, what I just said there? I know nobody in this building has ever done this. Okay, I know that. I know this is just me. I'll take care of this first and then I'll get to God. Or you talk about an offset of priorities. The tithe is the Lord's. It's not even the church's. Oh. The tithe is the Lord's and it is holy. There's nothing wrong with preaching on tithing. Well, that's in the Old Testament, that's under the law. Except for, we're gonna look here in a few minutes, that tithing was established about 430 years before the law. It really has nothing to do with the law. The law just gave some structure and some order. So the tithe is the Lord. That word tithe, guess what it means? A tenth, 10%. The word holy, though, it means a holy thing, it's holiness, it's sacred. So when I, when I don't tithe, I am actually willing to say, God, I will hold on to a sacred thing. You really don't deserve it. Oh. The word indicates something that is consecrated and set aside for a specific Sacred use only. It was not to be put into common use. Now get this, look what the tithe, look what the definition here on tithe. If it was used to common use, that means whatever I want to use it for, it became profane, which means it becomes cursed. Listen, I'm not telling you to pay your tithes. I'm just telling you what the Word says. It's between you and God, <laughs> right? He says, "But when I withhold and I use it for common use, it becomes a cursed thing in my pocket." anybody ever watch the Brady Bunch? Remember when they found the little tiki thing and everybody that wore it on their neck? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are close to my. Head. Thank you. Good night. Everyone who wore the little tiki, you saw it, didn't you, Karen? (laughs) Everyone who wore the little tiki thing when they were on their Hawaii trip had an accident. I wonder if I really believe the word means what it says. If I look at the tithe and say, that is God's, that is holy, and if I hold it to myself, it becomes a cursed thing. Man. I don't know about you, but that ain't worth it. (laughs) That ain't worth it. The tithe belongs to God. It is. Well, that's my money. No? Not that part, is it? All right. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. I'm reading out the modern English version. Look what he says here, will a man rob God? Wait a minute, I can rob God? He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So not only is the tithe the Lord's, when I don't give it, God considers that I have robbed him. Held up at gunpoint. (laughs) Oh, said you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Verse nine, you are cursed with a curse. Your whole nation, for you are robbing me. Bring how much? All the tithes. Well, I can't quite afford ten percent. Remember the story from last week. The young man promised God he, he would pay his tithes. It was $4 a week. That's all he made. But when his salary grew to $500, uh, his tithe would have been $500 a week, he went to his pastor and said, hey, I need to be released from this. Pastor Tom said, I can't release you from this. Well, why not? He said, that's between you and God. But what we can do is we can pray that your salary begins to decrease where you can pay $4 because you had no trouble paying $4. He said, well, a man robbed God. He says, yet you say, how have we robbed you? He says, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, what's a storehouse? The storehouse is where you go to get what you need. I'll show you in a little bit. The storehouse is your local church. Well, I just save my tithes back and give them where I want. Except for the fact, when you need someone, will they be the ones that come to you? Well, I send my tithes, look at me, hear me well. I'm not against people giving money to TV preachers. They need it too. (laughs) But, (laughs) thank you, sir. But they won't be there when your kid's in the hospital. They won't be there when your grandbaby wants to get married. Or you're diagnosed with cancer. He said, bring your ties into the storehouse where you get what you need. Where you take away what God what you need and God needs to provide in your life. We'll prove it here in a few minutes if I got enough time. He said, bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. How do we know that it's God's house? Because he said it's my house. That there may be provision in my house. And test me. Here's one of the only times you'll ever see God say, put me to the test prove it i'll put me to the test and allow me time to prove it he said bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me now says the lord test me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open see what the tithes and offerings do it creates open windows of heaven and see that i won't open up the windows Another term for that is floodgates. John, floodgates. God just don't, he ain't looking just to open a window on you, he's looking to flood you with blessing. But the blessing is tied to the tithes and offerings. And the tithes and offerings go into his house. Oh, come on, don't get quiet. People say, but I pay my tithes. I know, but I want to know why, I want people to know why we do it. I want you to know that this ain't blind. I want you to know that there's a blessing laying here. There's a blessing in this thing. I'm not trying to correct you. Listen, you people are some of the greatest givers. Bob and I have sat and cried in joy over some of the deposits that's come into this church. So this is a correction this is simple instruction. So before you, <clears throat> cause that's what we do when we start talking about money. Don't tear down my God. Yes, come on. And see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and what? Pour out a blessing for you, pour out for you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. In other words, he's with tithes and offerings into his house, the place where you are attached. He says that in it is a blessing that will overflow you so much so that you won't have enough space. He didn't, I, I, wanna, I wanna throw this out there real quick, Brenda. He didn't say it's gonna happen overnight either. Seed Give me that water. Seed doesn't just instantly grow. It has to be cultivated, fertilized, and it has to be harvested. If you're a giver, you're a tither, and you say, I'm in need for a miracle, then you need to start harvesting your miracle. How do I harvest my miracle? By, By declaring what God's word says. He said, Put me to the test. This does not offend God. When I say, God, man, I've been faithful. I've been faithful now, I expect. You can't talk to God that way. He said, put me to the test. He's not offended when I say, God, I need you to come through for me or else I'm coming up short. He doesn't get offended by this. He said, so that there won't be room enough to receive it. Tithing in this scripture shows us three things. First, it teaches us to put God first. Above everything else, the tithe is his, and it's holy. Second thing we said that we saw in that scripture: tithing provides God's work through a local church. See that there won't be food and provision in my house. And then finally, tithing increases my faith. One of the biggest struggles of faith you and I will ever have is to trust God when I don't think I've got enough. Do I trust him enough to put him to the test and say, Lord, I trust you, this is yours. I don't want a curse thing in my pocket anymore. I'm gonna read a scripture here in a little bit. we'll get there now i'll tell you what it says if you read the whole chapter in itself it says that if i withhold my there's actually a five percent interest on it am i lying it says that if i withhold that tithe not only does it still belong to god but now when i go to give it there's five percent to be tagged onto that and we call ourselves Bible believing people, <laughs> right Jeff? It causes us to trust God. So why don't people tithe? I'm not saying you don't, I don't know. You might, you might not, but why don't people? Well, a lot of times it's ignorance. They just haven't been taught. Because I know a lot, of, a lot of places are afraid Zach to touch this kind of subject because people's gonna get upset. Listen, you shouldn't be upset when I'm telling you how to get blessed. (laughs) Why are we upset when it's a blessing attached to it, Stanley? Why are we upset? So what is ignorance? It's simply a, ignorance is not a bad word. It simply is a state of being uninformed. It's a lack of knowledge Ignorance should be distinguished from, from, I love Webster. English should be distinguished from stupidity. So being ignorant and being stupid are different things. Ignorance should be uh, distinguished from stupidity, although both can lead to unwise acts. Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. Honor the Lord with your substance. You know what your substance is? Stuff. Everybody got stuff. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So with what comes in, the first, the tithe belongs to the Lord and it's holy. And with the first fruit of your increase. So your, now what happens when I do this, Ted? So your barns will be filled with plenty. Well, if I want my barns filled with plenty, guess what he tells me to do? Honor God first. Oh. Honor God first. Mm. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst with new wine. If you don't know, wine in the scriptures is a reference to the Holy Spirit. There is a blessing in that's held in tithes and offerings that releases the Holy Spirit, new moves of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if I withhold that thing and I put this thing that's cursed in my pocket, <laughs> I, why do I expect God to bless me? Are you, are you with me? <laughs> Second Corinthians, not Corinthians, sorry, Chronicles. It's one of those two. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse four. A young people that's in here, get this now. Get this now and get it early. Don't wait till you're like some of us that got it years late. Start your treasures now. Build up a heavenly treasure now because you might need it yeah. when you wanna buy a house. Yeah. You might need it on those times when there's more month than there is money. Yeah. You might need it on those times when you're driving down the road and you hear the p tink toom If you've never heard that sound. <laughs> and your wife pulls it in and it's smoke rolling to the roof. <laughs> but man, God's good. Oh Now it wasn't Dee's fault. <laughs> but it happened to her. She's driving down the road. There's that specific sound you know when you know when that thermostat goes. She makes it to the parking lot, here. And then we are so blessed by people who love us that to put a new engine in it, you know what it cost me? Come on. You know why? I don't even get all of my check. I have them take my tithes out before my check even comes to me. She gets paid, what do I do? Tithes first. And then we add offering to these things too. Cause we rob him in tithes and offerings. I'm driving down the road in one day and guess what? That same car that had a new engine in it, Steve, now it won't go into the gear. <laughs> well, get rid of that thing, but I like my car. It's big enough for me. And because we continue to give and because someone else had caught this same heart and sowing and reaping, the transmission didn't cost us at all. You say, why are you telling us this? Because I still pray. Abundant blessing on the people who did that. To this day, I'm still praying that God gives them more than they can hold because that was the promise. I'll open up the windows of heaven. See, that was their offering. Their tithe goes here, but their offering. Oh my goodness. And I still pray and I'll continue to pray. Are we in second Chronicles? Folks, this stuff works. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. God's not looking for amounts. I don't know if I'm gonna get to the scripture or not. God's not looking for amounts. He said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Sometimes we're obedient, but we're not willing. Well, I'll do it, but I don't like it. And sometimes, We're willing, but we ain't obedient. But he says, if I wanna eat the good of the land, my willingness and my obedience comes together. Oh my goodness, folks. Back to 2 Chronicles 31. 2 Chronicles 31. And he ordered those people living in Jerusalem to give a portion for the priest and the Levites. That's how we know the storehouse was the temple. What's our temple today? The place where God set us, saying, this is my church. And if you're visiting here, it's wherever your church is. And if you don't have a church, welcome home. (laughs) Amen. And he ordered those people living in Jerusalem to give a portion for the priest and the Levites in order for them to devote themselves to the law of the Lord. He said, so the priest and the Levites can function, bring your tithes to the to the storehouse. He said, and when the command and, and when the command spread through the sun throughout the sons of Israel gave generously the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought this abundance and they brought in abundance a 10th portion of everything. And the sons of Israel and Judah and all who dwelled in the cities of Judah also brought in a 10th of cattle, of sheep and a 10th portion of the consecrated items that were to the Lord their God and brought them in the and set them in what? Great piles. There is something in the word called a heap offering too. Maybe we should talk about those sometimes. There's a heap offering where we just say, here God. So one, people have not been taught tithing. Second thing is it's a bad mistake if they've been taught that tithing is only part of the law. And because it's part of the law, we're not required for it except so tithing was established way before the law. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Tithing was established before the law. Hebrews chapter 7. Me and Idra had this conversation in my office last week, didn't we? Little did you know <laughs> that I was just getting ready to bring this stuff out. He said, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, you know what Salem means? It'll tell you here in a few minutes. It means peace. So Melchizedek was what? The king of, now think about it. This is getting ready to explain to you who Melchizedek really was. (laughs) So Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He was the priest of the most high God. He met Abraham from uh, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So Melchizedek blessed Abraham. To him, Abraham also, now what does Abraham turn around and do? Tithe. Who's he tithing to? A priest, a king. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Folks, this excites me because it works for me. (laughs) And Abraham gave to him a 10th of everything in the place that is his name translated king of righteousness. His name is king of righteousness. Do you see who this is starting to sound like? Do you see who Abraham tithed? Had nothing to do with the law, the law wasn't even written. It was almost 500 years later the law would come. He tithed to the king of peace. He tithed to the king of righteousness. He tithed to the priest of God. This has nothing, tithing has nothing to do with the law. It's between a man and Jesus. How do you know it's Jesus? He's the king of righteousness. There's only one. He's also, and then also, he is the king of Salem which means he is the king of peace. There's only one. Listen, what else it says about Melchizedek? Without father, without mother, no descendant, having neither beginning, or end of days, I am the alpha, the beginning. I am the omega, the end. This tithing has nothing to do with a set of laws. It all has to do with the relationship with Jesus. Way before the law, Abraham's established tithing to God. Way before the law, Abraham established tithing to God. Without father, without mother, without the descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. He didn't die. Come on, the only one thing. (laughs) But made like the Son of God, he continually, means he's still a priest. I think the word tells us that Jesus is forever making intercession. Still a priest, continually, Remains a priest. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils. Surely the sons of Levi who receive the office of priesthood have commanded to take the tithes of the people according to the law. So they brought the tithes to where the priests were, the temple. They also come from the seed of Abraham, but this man who's... The sin is not numbered among them, receives tithes from Abraham, blessed him who had the promises. Without question, the inferior is blessed by the superior. And in the one case, mortal men receive tithes, but in the other, he of whom it is witnessed that he is alive, receives them. So I bring my tithes into a storehouse. But it's not that storehouse that really receives it. In the spirit realm, it's God himself receiving the tithes. Well, Jesus never talked about tithing, except he did. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. We're moving along, are you still okay? Preach this long on money, people start. "Mm." Matthew 23, 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, religious folk. You tithe, so here he's he's acknowledging their tithe. You tithe on mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now see, here's where I've heard some twisted teaching. See, God's telling them not to worry about tithes. They need to worry about the heavier stuff of the law, like matters of justice and mercy and faith. But look at the rest of the, story. Look at the rest of the verse. These you have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He said, you should be tithing and you should be worried about mercy and justice. You should be doing both, not one or the other. They all go together. Jesus didn't put, tell them not to tithe. He told them to continue to tithe, but not to forget the other things. Hebrews eleven six. six. I can't afford it. You know what I found out in my life, Deb? I can't afford not to. I can't. Why? I don't wanna carry a cursed thing in my pocket. Come on. Without faith, it is impossible. So when you bring your tithes, your offering, into the storehouse, you do it in faith. When you sow into someone's life, you're doing it in faith. Why? Because when I do it in faith, God's pleased. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. I think modern English says that he is a, exists. Must believe that he is, exists. And what else do you have to believe about God? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to believe it. He's a rewarder. And I'm bringing my tithe convinced that he will reward me. I'm bringing my offerings convinced. And if I'm not convinced, I'm not in faith yet. So I'll be obedient anyhow. Sometimes I do things, I said I, I didn't say you. Sometimes I do things because I know it's right and hope my face catches up. Oh yeah, like I'm the only one that's ever done that. Well, I don't know if this works or not, but I'm gonna try. Huh? Yep. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Go back to Malachi chapter three. He said, "Will a man rob God. How have we robbed you? You say, how have we robbed you? You say, you've thrown me with tithes and offerings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and see that there won't be meat in my house or food in my house. And test me now. Go ahead, Bob. Test me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up, open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that there will be room to receive it. Now look what else happens though. Look what else is tithed, is tithe, tied to the tithe and the offering. He said, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. What did Jesus call the enemy? Said the thief comes to what? Steal, kill and destroy, that's the devourer. He said, tithes and offerings, bring it to the storehouse and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. In other words, you're not even gonna have to fight this battle. When I walk in willingness and obedience, he fights battle for me. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for you, for your sake, Glory to God, so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground and the vines of the field will not fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land says the Lord of hosts. Two more. I just want to prove to you today. Tithe is the Lord's and it's holy. I'm not telling you what to do. Do what you want. You won't hear a whole lot of people say that. Do what you want. But this is the word. This is the word. Psalms 25. We're almost there. Hang on. I have to keep reassuring people. (laughs) Psalms 25, verse 12 from the Passion says, but still one question remains, how do I live in the holy fear of God? Show me the right path to take, verse 13. Then prosperity and favor will be my portion. All we've done today is look at Scripture. The Scripture has said what it has said. And I don't care what version you look it up in. Do your due diligence. Go back and read the original languages. You know, all this stuff wasn't written in King James English. It was translated to that. Well, I don't read translations. You already are. Am I lying? <laughs> when we see what God says to do, then prosperity and favor will be my portion and my descendants will inherit. I'm not just doing this for me, I'm doing it for her and I'm doing it for him. And I'm doing it for grandchildren. And I'm doing it for great-grandchildren. I'm doing it for great-great-grandchildren that I will never lay my eyes on. I am laying down a blessing into their future. It's not just about me. It's not about me. Yes, I get the benefit, but my descendants will inherit all that is good. My God, do you love your descendants enough? Living the blessed life. Last scripture, you ready? Psalms 115, I'm gonna read out of the Passion. Verse 13, yes he will bless his lovers who bow before him no matter who they are. God himself will fill you with more. Blessings upon blessings will be heaped upon you. How are they going to get on me, John? Heaped. That means they're going to be poured out where I have to dig my way to the top of it. Blessings upon blessings will be heaped upon you. The very, oh, the maker, uh, upon you and where and who? Upon your children. Uh, From the maker of heaven and earth, the very God who made you. The heavens belong to our God and they are his alone, but he has given us the earth and put us in charge. Tithing is scriptural. Giving offerings is scriptural. We saw where they, who should receive it. Your tithes. If you wanna to give to somebody out on the street, good, do it. If you wanna sew onto TV preachers, good, do it. But the tithe is holy and it's God's and it goes to the storehouse. Offerings go to the storehouse. Everything else is a psalm, it's a pot. What is it called, alm? <laughs> there it is. It's an alm, it's a generosity, it's a gift. But tithes and offerings go to the storehouse. Well, you just want my money, I don't want your money. If I, if I, if I had everybody's money who ever said that to me, I'd be a rich fella, <laughs> but I am rich. Come next week, we're gonna look at the word rich. We're gonna understand that rich is a God word. It's not rich like you think. You want a little sneak preview? You know what the word rich means? Having a full supply to meet your needs and enough to meet the needs of others. When you can do that, you're rich. Let's pray, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that you have blessed me and you're gonna continue to bless me. I thank you that there are people in here that are opening up to what your word says and they are going to be blessed. I speak a blessing over their home. I speak a blessing over their cars. I speak a blessing over their children and their children's children. I thank you that the God of the universe is pouring out a blessing so much that they can't stand it. And in heaven, they'll know when their great, great, great-great-great-great-grandchildren comes to them and they say thank you because of your faithfulness. I had the good of it all. In Jesus' name, amen.